The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by not Michael, special guest, friend of the show, Rob Bro. Rob, what's going on, man? What's up, Bulls? Spencer, I'm not Michael. Now, I can only dream to be Michael McDonald. Not Michael. We're excusing Michael gracefully. He's got some family business to take care of. Wish him and the family well. Um. Anyways, we were just talking about a schedule coming up because football starts next weekend. Tailgate Dude. show. Rob Bro College Tailgate Show starts next weekend. We're just talking about that. I'm actually going to have to miss the first show. But game week, the following week, will be there for the show. Then you were you said you were telling me we have uh we have plans immediately following the show. What's what's going on? Yes, and it is tentative. Okay. So maybe but, hold off on it then? But I'm gonna go ahead and okay. say it and debut it because Kyle pretty much debuted it with BJ Simmons on the Gauchos. It's a great interview by the way. So oh thank you. He's a he's great man. You just gotta set him up and let him go. Uh, at Cardinals next, not next weekend, the third, the third opening kickoff, the pre tailgate. So go to Cardinals from 12 to three. Allegedly there will be some, uh, Rahino barbecue. Hopefully I think see this, the, the plans are almost made, man. They're coming together. It's, it's going to be good. So I will give you more details. And uh, on your next episode, there will be firm details for a <laughs> podcast uh, tailgate show with the uh, four of us. Yeah, man. We're, we're excited because we're, uh, we're the four of us, Rob, Kyle, Michael, and myself are doing the your show, Rob Bro College Tailgate Show, Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, starting the 27th, which is next weekend from today, from now. Yeah. Um, and that'll run through December-ish, maybe into January. I, I forgot the date you gave me. Uh, depending on what Texas Tech does. Yeah, okay. So depending on how well there's Texas... there's no bowl, it could just go through November. <laughs> we're going to wrap on, uh, on Thanksgiving Yeah, we'll weekend. get to that, though. Um, and then uh, we got this post-tailgate show tailgate post tailgate show pre tailgate tailgate anyways yeah in the works for saturday the third at cardinals 12 to 3 potentially with some rahino which is always fantastic man that's seven o'clock kickoff after a 10 a.m show and then (laughs) like a lunch it's gonna be a long day man it's gonna be a good day 7 p.m murray state kickoff that i feel bad for murray state having to Sit around all day. Are they going to go home after the game? <laughs> you got to stay another night. 
How's that work? It's going to be 11 p.m. I bet they can just get on a plane and go home. Yeah, I think so. Where, where is Murray where State? Where is Murray State? <laughs> same question, same time. We'll look that up. I have no idea. Um, if you're uh, Murray, Kentucky. Wow, they're, they they got to travel. Kentucky. Murray. Is that a, is that? From the Missouri Valley Conference. Where is Murray, Kentucky? For some reason, that sounds like it's close to Lexington. Let's zoom out a little bit. I was just in Lexington. I say just. It was back in uh, May. A couple months ago, just just. Uh, no, this just is back in not May. Lexington. It is. Ooh, I don't even know what to tell you. So it's western, western Kentucky. Okay. So Kentucky, sorry, Lexington is more or less uh, north and a little east of Nashville once you get into Kentucky. Murray is like west-northwest from Nashville. So, Okay. There's uh, Lexington, then Louisville. That's more directly north of – it doesn't matter. Anyways – that's uh that's probably not an easy place to get to because you probably have to fly into to Nashville and then bus right. I mean, surely that's, that's a small town. Anyways, yeah, that's a that's a long trip back after a late kick. So if uh, if you're not already, you should be following. What like five different Twitter accounts at twenty three personnel for us here on the show, at punts suck for me at Michael underscore LBK. At Gambling Gauchos for Rob and Kyle's podcast, at the Rob Bro Show, and at underscore Kyle Jacobson. Everybody gets a, a little promo there. And Rob, I needed to tell you and all of our fine listeners today's episode of the 23 Personal Podcast, episode 289. You guys just recorded 100. You guys hit that fast. We've been going five years and have we're coming up on 300. Anyways, today's show. Brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate on your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org. Open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink. That's spelled like sports drink, but without the vowels. All we ask that you close the door behind you. We're trying to not let the funk out. So, Rob... Before we actually get into it, I know we're six minutes in, and this is uh, bearing the lead a little bit. I want to talk about fall camp updates. You were okay. there at Media Day, uh, Texas Tech Media Day. Got some great stuff. We, we touched on the uh, the Reggie Pearson quotes. want to get your perspective on that uh, because the defensive backfield could be salty. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's all relative, right? <laughs> well, I mean, in, in, in terms of like Texas Tech – defensive secondary which has been kind of a black hole of talent when just in general when you think going back like 10 years and you know, like you know jamar wall um marcel mcbath darcel 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 i don't know why i was confused cody davis jashawn johnson like there are a couple of names but like it just seems like the last few years it's just been kind of compounding there when you get your thoughts on the quarterback battle uh if you have seen or been hearing anything about depth 
charts or just projected uh, starters at least. And then I want to get your 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 outlook on the season. We're not going to do go like game week by game, but I have a question about if you're a believer in the letdown look ahead sandwich coined by my good friends. They're my friends, first name basis. Ty and Dan of the Solid Verbal. They think at least Dan. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Nope, Ty is a big believer in Texas Tech this season. And he thinks a lot of that, a lot of success can be had on the part of Texas Tech because of where Texas Tech falls on everybody else's schedule which I think is interesting, which I've got that uh, Big 12 conference schedule pulled up. We'll go into that a little bit. Um, It wouldn't be a 23 personal podcast if we didn't talk a little bit about food, and then obviously we'll wrap up with what did we learn. But, Rob, are you ready to talk about some football? I'm ready. All right, man, let's do it. Chuck keeps it himself. Made two guys miss. Touchdown! Escape and that picked off back to back turnovers and water running the other way. Taken down the sideline. Touchdown. Pick six. 70 yards. Marquise Waters. Play fake. Finds Tharp again and he's in the end zone for his first collegiate touchdown. The deep ball down the middle. It's caught. Touchdown. Texas Tech. Miles Price. 39 yards for the score. Intercepted. Picked off at the 20-yard line. Smith to throw it. Has a man downfield. And Texas Tech finds the end zone. It's McLean Mannix. Brooks to the left side to the five. Touchdown, Red Raiders. Smith. Find a little time. Throwing to the back of the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Tied at 38. Three seconds to go. 62-yard try. Garibay has his foot into it. It may be long enough. It is good! It is good! It is good! Jonathan Garibay has won the game with a 62-yard field goal! 
you believe that? Woo! I always think about something to ask whoever I'm with when I we play that. One, as a uh, as a football play-by-play man yourself, if your color guy jumped in and started calling play-by-play in a big momentum shift like like our man did there on the Muddy Waters pick six, how hard would you like reach over and slap them in the middle of what they're doing? <laughs> Depends who it is, honestly. If it's like the first time I've worked with them, it's like, all right, okay. Just chill out a second over there. But if you like have chemistry and they're stepping all over a huge pick six moment like that, yeah, I'd be pretty upset in a break. But hey, man, you're the color. I'll throw it to you. You talk what they do. Yeah, and to think that, that we got them two weeks in a row. It's brutal. That was a bad crew. Who was that? I don't remember his name. Michael remembers it like a lot better than I do. Uh, he was a former player, like a college player somewhere. It's like, uh, it wasn't uh, Spencer Dinwiddie or whatever his name is. No, I don't think so. Isn't that a basketball player? I don't know who that is. Yeah, I don't know why that name came into my <laughs> yeah, head. because that's the that's the that's what the, one of the players the Mavs picked up in a trade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this year, <laughs> a Mavs basketball player, um, Spencer Tillman. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. But he's the no, guy with Brando. Not, yeah, I can't stand Brando. How oh, do you do? Shut up, dude. I um, also love the squeal that Jensen <laughs> does. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. The other question was. How rough of a NFL preseason has it been for Red Raiders, man? Yeah, Jakeem Grant, D- Dawson, uh, Deaton, Dawson Deaton, Garibay got cut. Garrett, well, released. Yeah. Although, uh, Marcus Santos Silva, long time, long time tight end, still still hanging around, hanging on. <laughs> I think I think Ezukamba might end up having the best year of like all the new players. Yeah, so I I saw that video. Not a surprise, but I saw that that, that video of his of his first NFL catch, um, and it was like like you could see shades of what he was in college, where like it took two guys to take him down, and even then, like he broke free. He's like, man, he made his living off of doing that. Like, just like, oh, he's good, so good. And right. it was like, hey, why didn't we run an eight yard in all day long with Eric Isagama when he was here? Yeah, I know. You'd have to ask uh, your boy, Sonny Cumby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, speaking of asking the offensive coordinator, we've got a couple of weeks left uh, until, well, I guess game prep starts here. Yeah, in two weeks. You are Zach Kitley, right? Or maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're, you're you're playing big man himself, Joe McGuire. You've seen quarterbacks one, two, and three play, practice, perform. Rob Rose calling the shots. Who is quarterback one, game one? This is what I think they're going to say or what I would say? What you would say. You know, I'm not in practice every day. <laughs> <laughs> that okay so i i, I didn't want to hear what they wanted, what they were going to say <laughs> um i think i would just put tyler shuck out there and the experience the the talent that he has i think he's really good at throwing the deep ball if you want to push the field if you want to run the ball and push the vertical passing game 
which is what you preached about all last year. I think Tyler Shuck does that very well, and he's pretty accurate deep. So, look, I think Tyler Shuck fits the offense. Now, long-term, I think Baron Morton is, like, made in a lab to run Zach Kidley's offense. But first year, athletic, has the game experience, has the collegiate experience. I think Tyler Shuck is going to be the starter. And I think that's who I would pick as well. August of 2023, it's Morton's job to lose. Yeah? Yes, in my opinion, yes. Assuming he's still on campus and some huge name hasn't transferred in. and Yeah. Well, the hope is that Tyler Shuck murders this season, breaks all of Bailey Zappi's records, and goes and gets drafted. Yeah. If he doesn't, he really has more eligibility and could come back. That, that, that would be something. The The concern that, that I think you brought up when we watched the spring game is Shuck doesn't throw over the middle. How, how, no, how big you, of a, you didn't see it at Oregon. How, how big of a, a role is the middle of the field going to play in Kitley's offense from, from, from somebody I've watched a little bit of the highlights and there are a lot of things that they hit over the middle. I don't know if that was personnel wise. Cause I know uh, Stearns was, was out wide a lot. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying Chuck and Zappi are the same guy, but what is, what is the middle need to be for, you know, like, is it like a huge thing or just that's just where Zappi was really good. Yeah. You have to use the whole field. Uh, you can't just have a quarterback that can throw to two-thirds of the field and completely ignore the middle one. Um, you also can't have a quarterback that just throws deep. You have to be able to move the ball around short. And he couldn't throw to the sideline short or over the middle short last year. Uh, I think one thing that improves this year that improves his progressions is the offensive line. I think just flat out he'll have more time this year. Is that a, a product of, of Hamby or or the, the guys that, that have been brought in or both? Yeah, both. But it's mostly attitude. It really is. Yeah, so I, I don't know um, if you heard. I, I, when, I, when I talked to Brandon Carter and I, I asked him about Hamby, I was like, hey, what, what do you think about this guy? He's like, man, the mentality he's going to bring back to the position is, is going to be invaluable. Like, um, you know, I brought up some of the the plays where like he and Hamby like in, in their playing days were going to fisticuffs and and then like I think he even said like Hamby said something about that Donovan Smith touchdown in the bowl game where one of the offensive linemen came like he's like yeah I I, I want that seven days a week um so yeah I I I I'm really looking forward to seeing the offensive line the mentality kind of shift a little bit the guys up there like. They're coming from all over, right? Like you got one guy coming in from New Mexico, one guy that followed Kitley over from Western Kentucky. You've got some guys that have been here for for a while, obviously, and they're and are getting a shot. Caleb Rogers has been playing for a little bit, but man, that if that offensive line can 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 provide a pocket for Shuck to sit back there and, and maybe feel more comfortable reading over the middle, I, I don't know if it's a pressure thing or if we're just like it just gets too cloudy for him. I don't know, but. I'm not in those those meetings. The offensive side, well, I say that. The defensive side is also really exciting to me this year because of what I've seen from DeRuiter everywhere he's been, the scheme he brings. 
But like the Kitley offense too could be really, really fun. So Yeah, would you say you're more excited for the offense or the defense? Probably offense. Because I, I think that's that's just where like our, our attention has been for so long. Um, yeah. But the defense, like when you're talking about like Deruder being able to bring five and six guys from everywhere and and baiting quarterbacks into bad throws and and letting Tyree Wilson just absolutely run wild, like I I, I get a little excited. And, and then when we talk about like some of the defensive fundamentals, is the like to funnel everything to the middle of the field. Like, well, Krishan Merriweather just. He, he 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 feasts there like he was really good yes. as a run defending guy like he was he was a sure tackle he was also really good on the run blitz um and then the transfer linebacker next to him i i, I heard were some he was getting some really high praise so far in fall camp and i'm blank on his name although i talked about him for like an hour last night last week well there's uh several of them dimitri moore jacob rodriguez dimitri moore that's who it was but then uh you know, past them, the defensive backfield, like across the five positions, the the, the hybrid safety linebacker, uh, the star with Muddy Waters, the two corners, and the two more traditional safeties. You've got Rashad Williams, Adrian Fry on the corners, Rabbit and Reggie Pearson at safety. Man, like that defensive backfield depth. Well. Maybe not depth. The talent among those five, I think it may be as, as good as it's been in a long time. I think that the question is across the defense, especially, has been the depth. Like if one of these guys goes down, whether it's you know, defensive lineman, linebacker, or defensive back, what is this team gonna be able to do? But the starting group, I think you can look at it like that unit could be really good as long as they're together and healthy. Yeah, but I would argue it's the deepest because there's actual five good starters. You've not had that. I guess that's you're going to play. Yeah. You're going to play five starters uh, probably eighty percent of the time. Like you're going to play five DBs, maybe even more, if it's not short yardage or goal line. I, I mean, I think I mean that is your base defense. Yeah. So, whether that's just because Muddy is a linebacker or Reggie Pearson you play in the box uh, and you're going to have rabbit out free uh, but both Adrian Fry and Reggie Pearson said that this defensive backfield was the best um, not only they played with but that's ever been at Texas Tech is what Reggie Pearson said so I don't know I love the confidence Yeah, I don't know sure. if that's true but I love the confidence <laughs> Um. so I- any other tidbits, little insights you, you may have seen or picked up at uh, media days that maybe like just a casual fan wouldn't have, have seen or heard about? Yeah, and I wrote about this on KKM.com, but um, subtle plug. That's fine. But the the atmosphere with the players is 100% different. Last year when we went to media day, in the final era of Matt Wells, the final season of the Matt Wells era, it's like, hey, what's the team goal this year? And I remember specifically, like, team leaders, like, big-time players, stars, saying, 
just wait, we want to get to a bowl game. Like six and six is the goal. Like that's the big dream. And to start there, it was just like so deflating when I left. But this year it's Big 12 championship. It's playoff berths. It's going undefeated. It's winning every game. There's just like a, a different confidence in the team that I think will absolutely translate to the field. Not that that stuff will happen, but. Yeah. Well, so speaking of translating to the field, I want to ask you for your just overall, I, I, I don't want to go through like the season game by game, week by week. What do you look at the Texas Tech schedule or just in, like I said, in, in general, like what are your thoughts on what this season could look like? You know, it's it's new new year with a you know so a, a first year head coach anywhere, and and I, I know we all kind of f- felt burned by that with Kingsbury, but you've got some bona fide coordinators around McGuire. Uh, yeah, the defensive coordinators, the former head coach, the um, assistants aren't first time guys or just buddies of the program. Um, but we, when when you look at McGuire coming into his first season and the staff he's assembled and the, the roster he has, what do you see? I think you have a four win window between five and seven and eight and four. I think pretty much if everything, if everything falls for Texas tech, or at least like 80% of the stuff falls for Texas tech this year, Like, let's just say you go two and one in the non-con. Okay. I think you can get to eight and four. Texas at home, West Virginia, Baylor, Kansas, Oklahoma, all at home. You go four and one at home, and I think three of those are very winnable. Oh, you're really only trying to find two more wins, and that's a down Iowa State, TCU at a neutral site in Fort Worth, and then the Manhattan and Stillwater games early in the year, I think, are your toughest contest on the road in Big 12 play. Yeah. Yeah. The, so I, when, when I look at the schedule, I don't see like a um, like a really like murderer's row except for those first three conference games where you host Texas, and that's always been a mental issue. Um and I, I don't know if it's like I, I don't I don't know if Texas's confidence waxes and wanes. Like, are, are are they more confident at the beginning of the season or at the, or at the end? Like, like are they more hyped up on on the the preseason accolades or is it you know this year are they going to be coming down like after just getting waxed by Alabama or are they are they going to be open? Um, yeah. But then like you you mentioned we've got West Virginia and Baylor back to back weeks at home. Then we go to to Fort we then. Tech goes to Fort Worth, back home versus Kansas, on their own versus Iowa State. That five-game stretch there, not that bad. Yes, you are you're facing a dark horse, maybe, uh, conference title contender there in Baylor. Um, I mean, but four and one in that stretch? I would not blink at all if you started this three and three. 
yeah, I mean, the 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 non-conference with Houston and then NC State and then getting Texas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. Like two and four would be worrisome, not worrisome, but like frustrating. Because I'd start zero three in conference play and losing to NC State. And I, I don't want to overlook Houston, but I think you'll win two games in the non-conference. Um, and then your sandwich theory you were talking about. Yeah. Um, I, so Baylor, let's just go left to right on the and alphabetically. Yeah. So if, if if you don't remember or if you don't if you guys don't listen to the solid verbal um, tie is a believer in the letdown or look ahead sandwich games where uh, an opponent can be, can be had uh, based on where they fall in the schedule. Like, like if they're, if they're coming down from a big game or if there's a big game on the schedule ahead of you. Um, So he said, Texas tech falls in that weird spot for a lot of teams this year in the big 12. And that could help them win games that they could use help in when you consider the first, you know, everything we just said about McGuire and the, and his first season, Baylor, they they they're coming off a home game versus Kansas, so they're they're not like they're not coming down from a big game, but they've got Oklahoma the week after Tech, uh, and they're both um, they're both on the road, so they've got to go to to Lubbock and they've got to go to Norman. Um, I mean, I, I don't yeah, think that's I, a prime look ahead spot. Yeah, and I I don't think you're looking ahead for for two weeks, but then they also have Kansas State after that. So like, th- they've got a tough stretch there, where you're you're kind of at the front end of that, where you can catch them looking ahead because they're like, okay, well we've got Kansas, Texas Tech, and then Oklahoma. We we, we got to get geared up for for the Sooners there, especially you know when, when we consider Oklahoma is going to be the, one of the favorites for for the conference title. Baylor is going to be up there alongside Oklahoma State and Texas. I'm I'm not a believer in Texas this year, just like like you aren't. But um, for for Baylor, you're in a good spot because you're coming ahead of a road trip to Norman. Um, Iowa State has you at home between two road trips uh, to Stillwater and then to Fort Worth. Um, that that's that doesn't so much play into the theory, but also Iowa State's like they're they're not going to be competing for for. For anything at this point in the year, maybe bowl eligibility, um, but that would be a, a pretty good coaching job by Matt Campbell to be in that position with everything that that team has lost. Um, you could get like the the letdown after coming down from from Oklahoma State, but that would be a road game for, for Iowa State. So uh, it will be their final home game of the season, hosting Texas Tech, but. Um, it's not a bad spot to be in. It's like you're sandwiched between like a bye week in Kansas or something. Right. Uh, Kansas could be a look ahead. <laughs> They've got Texas the week after you. Um, and for whatever reason, Kansas has done as good as, as couldn't be expected against anybody. When you, when you look at them playing Texas, um, I mean, it is, when Texas Tech and Kansas play, it'll be in Lubbock. So it's like, you know, you to Texas Tech will have, have home field there, but they've got, uh, it's between home games for them between Oklahoma State and 
the Longhorns there. What a brutal finish that Kansas has. Yeah, that, so they're they're they have a bye, and then it's Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Texas, Kansas State. And then if if you back up before that though, they have Oklahoma Baylor, then the bye, then Oklahoma State. Like the, the last six games for them, like brutal. I I know we don't like expect a whole lot out of Kansas. Like that is an zero and six stretch. Like without even batting an eye. Now that they do have home games before Oklahoma with TCU and Iowa State, like they could win more conference games and then lose six straight. Than they, you know, than, than conference games that they've won in the past. Kansas State, though, um, sneaky good th- this year. Um, you get them early between road trips to Norman and then their big rivalry game against Iowa State. Farmageddon. So, Farmageddon. So you, you get uh, Kansas State hosts Texas Tech between games of Oklahoma and Iowa State. If they're going to be, like I said, competing for a conference, I get it that Oklahoma is their first conference game of the year. Um, like they have to kind of be working on on the Sooners there and taking advantage of, of a Brent Venable's first-year team and then coming back from Texas Tech to, to face their, I would say, their biggest in-state rival, uh, in Iowa State, or at least one that's been really hotly contested lately. Oklahoma, um, you are each other's last conference game of the year. Uh, they will face you after hosting Oklahoma State, so they are you know, obviously going to be on the road. That could be a letdown uh, after after that they play their big conference rival. Um well, let's say Oklahoma gets knocked out of conference championship contention against Oklahoma State in Bedlam. Do they have anything to, to play for? I don't know. Yeah. Oklahoma State, you get them relatively early. Uh, they're going to be hosting Texas Tech after a road trip to to Waco, to Baylor. Again, uh, that first conference game for, 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 for Oklahoma State is interesting in that it's a rematch of the conference title game from last year. Um, your Their first conference home game. But then they get TCU. Oh, they have a brutal stretch. They don't have any conference bye weeks. They're off the the, the first week of conference play, the twenty fourth, outside of West Virginia and Kansas, who play on the tenth. But then they play nine games straight, nine conference games in a row. Uh, Baylor, Tech, TCU, Texas, Kansas State, Kansas, Iowa State, Oklahoma, West Virginia. So it's, at least they don't have like a like a, like a difficult stretch in there. It, it's pretty well spread out, but. Uh, you're at the front end of of a long stretch where they don't get a, any time off. TCU that is crazy though. That both TCU and Oklahoma State getting bye weeks before conference play. Yeah, that, that, I think that was something that t- Texas Tech fans saw a lot uh, uh-huh. like four or five years ago. Like you you get an early bye week and then you go like nine ten in a row. I, I think I think one of the, the Kingsbury years you went eleven games straight. Uh, like you got game one in, yeah, you're like a week two by, and then you week two by, and then you play ten. Oh, sorry, eleven in a row. Uh, TCU, you get them uh, towards the you know back half of, of of the season there. That's there. They have one home game in like five weeks there. Um, 
they're on the road, sorry, they're hosting Kansas State and they're on the road to West Virginia, hosting Texas Tech at Texas at Baylor. So again, you've got a couple of games, big games stacked up after you. Um, TC and West Virginia could be competing to not be the last team in the conference or could be competing for eighth place, if you will, um, ahead of Kansas, but they they catch TCU, sorry, they catch Texas Tech before they head down to Austin. Um, you get the Longhorns right out of the gate in conference play first up. You get them at home. And then West Virginia is a home game for Texas Tech, sandwiched between a Thursday night Baylor game at home and a home game versus TCU on Halloween weekend. So they get, you know, a couple extra days coming down from playing Baylor. And then, you know, I don't think anybody else thinks like this besides fans, like a team that they should be competing closely with TCU uh, the week after. Which is a little bit crazy because Texas Tech has a full bye week and they have a half bye week. So you're kind of not getting the full benefit of your bye week because you don't get the extra rest really as opposed to the other team. It's just a little bit of a – you lose a little bit of your edge there. Yeah, so they – West Virginia's schedule, they they by the, the time they play their third conference game, um, it is the fifth week of conference play, and that's a Thursday night. They've got a home game versus Kansas on the, September 10th, the first conference game. Then they're off the 24th, on the road at Texas on the 1st, off on the 8th, and then that week – the following week, they get a Thursday night game. So they get like, you know, a day and a half extra uh, before they, they travel to, to Lubbock. So hearing that, are, are, you a, uh, are you a believer that Texas Tech catches some of these opponents that you may be more closely competing with in a good spot or at least in a, uh, a bad spot on their schedule? Oh, yeah, I, th- I like Texas Tech's schedule. I do. I, I like the – I like beyond the Kansas State, Oklahoma State back-to-back road trips. Um, but even the Kansas State game, that's between Oklahoma and Iowa State. I think that's a really good spot for you. Uh, a bunch of their fans will be looking at Farmageddon. Um, I don't know if the team will be. But you also just have, like, some revenge spots from this roster for the last couple of years, especially Texas. I think you could really see Texas Tech come out against Texas and try to make a statement because of what happened last year in Austin. Yeah, the game got away from us, them. Yeah, yeah. There was one defensive stop. The rest of them were just, they ran out of time in a quarter or a half. Yeah. Good times. I, so I, 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 I like how the schedule lays out, and I, I would not be surprised if Texas Tech won eight games. I don't think they will. Um, but it's not like you have to have a perfect season with this schedule and what I think Texas Tech can do to be eight and four. I think you're a talented team. Yeah, I, I, I would also not be surprised at five and seven because of some things. I, which is a real cop out answer, but. Yeah. Well, I, I do like the second half uh, of, of the schedule of, of the season there. 
with the back-to-back road games, or sorry, back-to-back home games, West Virginia Baylor. Um, you know, I, I remember when you guys were interviewing the Baylor guys that there, there's that kind of cherry-picked stat, if you will, that Baylor hasn't won Lubbock in like 30-something years because right for a good stretch of Baylor's good years, the games weren't being played in Lubbock. <laughs> um, and then for, for whatever reason, the, the, the past couple of years, it's always been like an, on an even year, which has been their down years historically in the past, uh, going back to Grobe and um, Rule in the first uh, year with Aronda, or second year. So, yeah, so that that's second half of the conference schedule. Like like I said, um, I mean, that road trip to Iowa State, maybe, because you haven't won up there in a while. Like I, I, I what you're saying about Baylor, like you haven't won up in, in Ames in a while, but this is a team I think you got the opportunity to do it because of everything they have to replace. Uh, the quarterback, running back, tight end, everything that 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 they that Matt Campbell's built himself up on in the last few seasons, they're all gone. Um I couldn't tell you who any of those guys are on the Iowa State roster. Uh and and maybe they 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 turn out another, you know, not a Brees Hall, but a more productive than you would expect running back performance from a no-name guy that you hadn't heard of at, you know, August 15th. But, I mean, if you look back at Iowa State, uh, Alan Lazard, Hakeem Butler, uh, David Montgomery, um, and then Brees Hall. I think Jarrell Brock this year will, will be the guy they lean on, but it's not like they've not had talent pretty consistently. At least one guy kind of shines, so we'll see. Yeah. So, yeah, I I, I think you, you catch some teams in advantageous spots um, that you can get, you know, whatever little bit of, of advantage you, you can take uh, to get that McGuire magic work in year one. Because I think, you know, a successful year one just really – like stokes the fire that that he's been kind of himself being like the you know the what's that called the the bellows on you know he's he's doing it himself uh, but if he's able to then say hey look like in year one with my guys my system we were to do this we're going to continue to build on this could really start to take off especially as you are hoping to stack success as you change the landscape of of the conference, right? Like you're bringing in those at least four new members, maybe another four, although it would have been, uh, you would hope it would have come out by now if there was going to be some additional realignment. But the other thing I want to ask Rob, uh, goes back to big 12 media days. And there was a lot of, well, I say a lot. It seemed like there was a lot of discussion and, ringing of, of hands and shaking of fists when that that picture was, was tweeted out uh, talking about some of the targeting rules about the quarterback and how they were going to be considered a defenseless player. Uh, basically with any kind of quarterback like movement, <laughs> whether it was a throwing motion or whatever, and that hits on the quarterback as innocuous as they may seem could be technically 
flagged as targeting. What's your 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 opinion on that, or your take on the the direction that that we're we're heading with targeting and just just in general? Yeah, I saw a lot of uh, officials kind of defend that as. Oh, that's just them clarifying. Nothing's going to change. It's just them clarifying the rule that was already there. And it's not going to be defenseless. It's going to be after you throw, then you're defenseless. Why add that in? Why add the language in? Because all you're doing is allowing an official to make more judgment calls in a stretch of judgment calls that you can't do that fast, especially if it's a judgment call, Mm -hmm. you have to be able to streamline the targeting process and say yes or no. Did this happen? Did this happen? Did this happen? If all three happen, it's targeting, but you can't be like, Oh, well he intended to lower his head and uh, the malice he felt in his heart. (laughs) It's like, Sorry, I had a bug in my throat. You're good. But the the, the malice, the uh, the intention, it's just it makes everything so convoluted. And it's 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 the worst in the NFL because you're complicating the catch rules, you're complicating the holding rules, you're complicating man downfield, you're complicating targeting, and it makes the product worse. And that's exactly where college football is going. And even in like the RPO stuff, they want to change all that to where you have no movement on the offensive line. You can't move downfield at all. So I, I don't know. It just, it didn't need to be said and they said it and it's going to be a point of emphasis, which means it's going to get called more. So, yeah, like, like, because then it, it brings into question the judgment, if you will, of like, okay, where does the throwing motion start? Like, is it the windup? Is it like, as soon as he starts to, to, to coil on, you know, on his load to, to borrow some, some of the baseball terms on a swing, but like, you know, are, is it, I mean, you know, if he gets hit from the back, you know, from, from, from the blind side, is that, is that going to be a, a targeting call? I don't know. I don't like it. There or something you said that for some reason reminded me of major league baseball. Do you watch a lot of baseball, or or at least in the summer while there's n- nothing else going on? I do. Still, still taking it in. Okay, so I'm sure you you've you've seen it or, or been you know made aware of at least recently. Um, and j- it feels like at least this season or this year, um, officiating, especially strike zones, have been outrageous, right? And there's been a lot of push. Uh, from some to move towards a electronic robo strike zone. And then yes. some guys are like, no, it's, it's, it's killing the game and, and all that kind of stuff. Curious randomly. What, what are your thoughts on like the robo ump, this the electronic strike zone? Like, is that, is, is the yeah. quote unquote human element, like an important part of the game in officiating? Cause the, the people that I've seen that are most heavily opposed to it, say that they're removing the human element. I was like, 
but if you're removing some of the element that leads to inconsistency and error, is that right. not a good thing? I'm on the side of like if you can if you can regulate the strike zone, take that away. You still have a home plate umpire for plays of the plate and all that kind of stuff and all the things they have to monitor for. But if you can take away the strike zone, they they, they already have the the technology to market. Like they're they're showing if yeah. they're showing the viewers if it's a strike or not. It's not difficult to to. I don't know. No, it's not difficult at all. And I, I, I think pitchers would adapt. I mean, I think that eliminates a lot of what a catcher does to change the game uh, because you can't frame and do all the stuff you want to do. Um, but it's an offensive game right now anyway, so it's not like you have a bunch of elite defensive catchers making huge run differentials. But you, you think about it, if you can do the strike zone, why can't you put a chip in the football and have crossing the goal line, first mm-hmm. down, all that stuff automated? So Okay, so with with the football placement thing, the, the thing that cracks me up the most is when they're trying to place where a ball went out of bounds, like on, on a punt, that ball's 30 feet up in the air, and like, oh, it went out of bounds here. It's like, you yeah. have no freaking clue. There's no way that's accurate. <laughs> I love it when the guy just like starts running and you're like, okay, you can stop. You can stop. You can stop. And he like goes yeah. all the way to the 45. It's like, no way it crossed there. He's like, yeah, there, there's no way you can triangulate that, you know. Like even like no. trying to figure out where a guy stepped out of bounds, like where the ball was on his, on his left hip versus right hip. And if he was on the right hash or the right sideline or left, if he gets another step in, I don't, that's a racket. But yeah, like if if you could figure out how to to track football on the playing field, like I, you would think that that would clear up a lot of things, as well as you know going back to baseball. Like if you can figure out like just the strike zone, you know, the close plays, you know, at at, at a base, whatever, or or just some interpretation on on some of the the more softer rules of baseball. Yeah, you, you need you need people there for that. I'm not saying you completely replace the officiating element with some kind of robotic implement, but strike zone, it's like you're already you're already showing which yeah. may be just riling up everybody else like, "Well, the TV said it was a strike and the 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 broadcasters who 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 don't see." Well, I'm like, "Well, that that was a bad pitch." And and then you get like the 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 umpire um Anyways, yeah, I, yeah. In a lot of stadiums, the the TV guys like or the radio guys like in right field. Yeah, they're not even like close. down by third base, and it's like, okay, you have no idea what's going on. No, no, they're looking at like a TV display. Yeah. All right. Um, so you were on unofficial record, Texas Tech, five and seven, eight and four, somewhere in between. Yeah, if I had to make a season prediction, I would go seven and five. I would take the over at six and a half. Is that where it is? I thought it was five and a half. Oh, is it five and a half? Well, then I'll take. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm... I'll take seven wins of the bowl game. I think it is five and a half. Now you say that. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm probably. Uh... I 
I would probably lean towards towards seven and five more than five and seven because I I think Neil Brown and his job out there in West Virginia has been kind of a joke. I I don't know what kind of offense they'll be able to put together with with Graham Harrell um, and JT Daniels, but I don't know anybody around him. I do think it's kind of telling that like Jarrett Daigie's transferred like three times this off season. And that was their best option last year. Mm-hmm. I kind of made the joke. It's like, it's, it's time to bring him home because you know, obviously he wanted to play at Texas tech. Um, he can be QB four, but like TCU, like I just, I don't, I don't get it, man. I, I, <laughs> Some of the things that they that TCU the program athletic like athletic, athletic department was trying to trying to, to pump out, especially around signing day, around Dykes, like he was. <laughs> there was that video of a of a player faxing in his his NLI right, um, uh-huh. and like they, they they got a video of him talking to this player on the phone, and he was excited for like two seconds, and it's like so fake man like like you, yeah. you 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 put that out yourselves you you couldn't have just like caught the what could have been displayed as like genuine reaction um and just i don't know man i i, I don't i don't i'm not a believer because he, he wasn't like really all that good at cal uh he was playing on a different you know a, a different level at, at smu um i I'm more in a, I'll see it when I believe it for, for Iowa state. Uh, Kansas is coming, but not in a way that anybody should really be worried just yet. Um, Oklahoma is probably more or less going to be the same. I, there, there's still some unknown there for me with, with a new coaching staff. Um, Baylor, I, I, I know those guys were really high on shaping. I thought it was really funny that they were like pounding that stat. Like he was like 94% completion rate between the numbers and the hash is like, well, no shit that those are the easiest throws. Like, of course somebody's going to be 94%. Like, well, it was in between the hashes and clean pocket. It was okay. So like the best of, of, yeah, of situations like, okay. When everything goes right, he's good. Okay. But to his credit, like he's still accurate there. Yeah, sure. That's that's a good baseline. That's not something. And he had I'll... the game of his life in the Big Twelve Championship game. I, I couldn't tell you what what all he did that day. I I, I just remember that they won there, won on the last play there. Oklahoma State needed one more yard. Um. So like, Iowa State, Kansas, TCU, West Virginia. Oklahoma State, like I, I, I can't remember if it was Oklahoma, Oklahoma State um, fan page that tweeted that out, but like Big 12's best quarterbacks and Spencer Sanders was listed first. It's like if if he's the best quarterback in the Big 12, it, it, it's it's not going to be a good year for Big 12 quarterbacks because um, he's going to throw like 20 interceptions. Who's better? Well. I don't think the Big 12 has very good quarterbacks. I'm going to say whoever starts for for Texas Tech. I'm going to say Dylan Gabriel probably has a pretty good shot at it. Uh, I I, I love what he did at 
at Central Florida. And I think yeah. with even more talent around him, he could like he, he could shine. I I'm not a believer just yet on um Martinez, the transfer there at, at Kansas State. He was so bad at Nebraska. Granted, he's gonna have a much better offensive line. Um but allegedly. Well, sure. He, he he's got some some additional weapons around him that, that that could help him look better. Um I mean, I I know the guys at Texas are like all world recruits, but that's just that they're just recruits, right? They haven't nobody's played a game for them. Um Spencer Sanders has just played so much Big 12 football. It's hard not to give him the leg up right now. Yeah, and and, and it's almost like by default, though. The to, to, to do your point there, oh like yeah, he's, for he's, sure. He's he's been there the longest of anybody because you look around, everybody's starting a, a new quarterback, except for Oklahoma State. And Baylor had, I mean, like he, like Shapin and Shuck, were probably the next guys up there in terms of experience within the conference. That's not much because Shuck played what three games? Uh, he 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 went down in the Texas game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Shapin was a late season replacement for Bohannon. Bohannon got some some twang in there. The the Kansas guy, <laughs> which is bad to say, like he's probably got the the next most experience. I mean, because like you look at everybody else, they're starting a transfer. He, I'm high on him. He he looked really good in spots. He really does. Uh, they 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 played a fun game against uh, Coastal Oklahoma. Oh, Coastal too. Yeah. They took Oklahoma in the second half. Well, then obviously they they defeated the Longhorns too. Anyways, so all that to say, I. I think Texas Tech has got a great shot to to put together a pretty solid season for for McGuire year one. I've also been one to say like, hey, like if the wins aren't there this year, that doesn't mean McGuire's a failure. Like, he's dealing with what Matt Wells left him, and yes, he came in with his hair on fire and was turning like doing a lot of roster churn. Um, but what he's been doing a lot of is bringing in high school guys. So you're going to have a little bit of a gap there when you're replacing transfers and graduates with high school guys that are going to need some time to develop, whereas other guys have come in, like Matt Wells, who was pretty good at this, bringing in transfers uh, and JUCO guys that were older. Um, but on the swing back towards high school, you're going to have, I think, you you could see a gap there in development as as these younger guys are, are, are getting you know experienced and up to speed on D1 Big 12 football. I think people will be surprised how much attitude and effort makes talent look better. This is not a bad roster. I wasn't trying to say it was. I was I I was just No, like, no, I I agree. I guess hedging that like if it goes poorly, just remember like the 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 roster is still a work in progress. This is also a six and six team with awful coaching last year. So 
And you, you haven't really lost. I mean, you lost Eric Uzukama. But he he but also wasn't that, like, like the focus of the offense last. Like like he, he was he was phenomenal, but he wasn't like the well, guy. He drew coverage. But are are, are are the guys that are stepping up on the, on the outside going to also no maybe? It's a question. That's a question. <laughs> Got some jazz fingers. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. Before we we wrap this up with what we learn. Uh, it wouldn't be a 23 personnel podcast if we didn't talk food. And we talked about adopting a gambling gauchos slash Kyle approach and, and having a, a list come out here. Probably just one, uh, or a start bench cut of Lubbock burgers. So I want your, your, your list, Rob, of, of some contenders or, or guys places that should make the list. If we're talking about where to get the best burger in Lubbock. Okay, we'll go uh, bonus burger. We'll Chris Takis. Yeah, I think Michael brought up bonus. I said Chris Takis last week. Uh, Pete's Drive-In. Okay, is that the one on Thirty Fourth? There's one on Thirty Fourth, yes. And like Get the the chili cheese tater tots. Okay. We do three on that, that star bench cut. I think Pete's probably unfairly is going to get cut pretty easily there. Uh, Dark Horse here, Sonny's Mart. You ever been over there? I've never even heard of it, I don't think. It doesn't hey, sound familiar. You're welcome. You're welcome. Sonny's Mart? There's a di- there's a, it's like a gas station. There's a dinosaur in the parking lot. One of the best burgers in the world. All right, we're not going to look it up. How do you spell it? Like S-O-N-N-Y? Uh-huh. So, yeah, like Sunny Smart. Sunny Mart. Sunny? Sunny Smart. Well, now that I'm saying it all weird, it's 16207FM1730. Oh yeah. Where where even is that? Okay, so I, I, I do like the handwritten menu on the sandwich board. Like that's usually a pretty good indicator. Like you're gonna slide in Woodrow. Okay. That's out there, man. It is out there, yeah. Because even as I'm sitting in a 23 personnel podcast headquarters south, I'm not quite out to Woodrow. I'm off of a university, so. All right, so Sonny's Mart. Um, what about some of the the more, it, if you were to lean more towards like a, a, a better well-known name or brand or like a, a blue sky versus a buns over Texas. Man, I haven't been to buns over Texas in a long time. I'd be that my buns are up. Spencer, I need to go over there. Um, I would lean buns over Texas over blue sky. Um, even like the kind of the fast casual places or, or cap rock has a good burger. Oh yes, they do. Cap rock underrated burger in my opinion. Um, you know, like the, the, the caboose caboose is a, a, a pretty good burger. Cujo's not a bad burger. I don't know that I would go there and just like for the burger. You're like, Hey man, I'm really, I want a burger. And you're like, oh, let's go to Cujo's. I would go to Cujo's for some fried zooks and a schooner though. Couldn't tell you what been to Cujo's? Uh, no, you been to Cujo's never, never been to Cujo's. Ronnie to take you to Cujo's, man. 
maybe we'll run into Curtis Jordan over there. Fried zoo is that like a like a zucchini chip or something? Yeah, it's a little zucchini spear. Spear. Fried. Okay. Oh yeah. Fried zooks. I'm a big fried fan zooks, of the fried man. pickles, but they're like the zooks the, and shrooms. No, nah, I don't like I don't like mushrooms, man. Those little things are gross. <laughs> All right. Anyways, and then if you go like full fast food, it'd be like uh Freddy's is is one of my favorites. You know, I, I have I haven't been to Freddy's in a the one I went to was in like uh, North Dallas. So it's been quite a while. It was like 2007, 2008. Yeah. I love the crunchy burnt patty. I just. It's like the smash burger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like real thin, but oh. kind of crispy. South Freddy's doesn't. And don't they do like the real thin, like shoestring fries? Yeah. Yeah, that can be good if you don't burn them. So you say Freddy's, then Brahms. Um, I would say Brahms over Whataburger. Yeah, so so would Kyle. I don't I don't get it. I like but to be fair, I haven't had a Brahms burger in a minute either. Um, Have you had the blue cheese burger at Whataburger? I don't like blue cheese. You a blue cheese guy? No. They they also came out with their their peppercorn ranch chicken club sandwiches at the same time. Uh, so when I saw that, I I went that direction. I got the spicy huh. chicken version, the peppercorn ranch bacon and the brioche bun. It's pretty good. I just it's not a blue cheese. All right, so I'll let I'll I'll let the uh, the Brahms over Waterburger slide for now. But Pete's Drive-In, Christakis, Sunny Mart, Sunny's Mart. There was another one you said early on. Bonus burger. Bonus burger. Okay. So I've been to Christakis. I need to try those other three. The I went to Christakis with uh, with Michael once, and it was fantastic. I have had the burger at Caprock, really good. Obviously, the queso is good. The queso burger, it's a pretty good combination. I've had that. Yep. It's like a seventeen dollar burger, though. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I, I haven't I, been to uh, Twisted Root in a while. You ever? You ever go over to Twisted Root? I did. Just thinking of burger places. I haven't uh, been there a long time. They closed, didn't they? Uh, maybe so. I haven't been. <laughs> I haven't been. Uh, yeah. I, let me see. Let me try to. F- now that you say that, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, I think the one up up there by uh, Alamo closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that you say that, that sounds familiar. Okay. Let me try to remember what I used to get. Uh, the Western at Twisted Root was pretty good. The pepper jack bacon, fried onion strings, and jalapenos. I think that was my my yeah. go-to when I went up there. But it's it's been a while. I, I went there with with a friend. It would have been 2019, maybe, if not earlier. So, anyways, all right. Let's uh let's get to what we learned and then wrap this up. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. All right, so I learned. Uh, not not that it was really any surprise. Um, we had we'd been going back and forth with our oldest son about what he wanted to bring to school for lunch. Um, pretty unpopular decision that uh, school lunches were going to go back to not being provided anymore. So you got to bring your own or 
send the kid with some money. We we're t- talking about what he wanted, and we, we couldn't get him to decide. Finally, tonight, Tuesday, night, night before school starts, like, I, I think I want to do Lunchables. I was like, of course you do. Um, and there, there are some other things I need at the store. So I went up there real quick before we hit record tonight. Unsurprisingly, that little shelf in Walmart completely cleared out. No Lunchables yeah. whatsoever. The first day of school lunch of choice was Lunchables, except for the nachos. Plenty of those. Grayson also said, don't want the nachos. Turkey and cheese, ham and cheese guy, or the cheese pizza. But no, that was always a good one. Decided. He's also been on a, on a breakfast sandwich kick. A little uh, bacon, egg, and cheese croissant. Uh, we're, we're, we're cheap and we get those frozen and pre, pre-made. But oh yeah, Jimmy Dean makes a good one. Walmart makes an okay one. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna have one of those tomorrow because nice. he he didn't want us to make him a sandwich or to like to make him a his own lunchable. He didn't want a, a PB and J. And he's also just young enough, like he still doesn't really grasp the concept and value of money. So if we send him with like ten bucks to put in his account, he'll spend ten dollars on lunch. We're like, what did you do, man? Well, I bought this bag of chips and this ice cream and this cupcake, and then my friend wanted one. I was like, oh my gosh, dude. So anyways, uh learned, relearned not to put off trying to shop for, for lunch or school supplies. I, I realized we, we had done that a couple of weeks ago. And even then a lot of stuff was already picked over. Uh, but night before school, it's not the time to be buying anything for school. Did you know that the inventor of the Lunchable was a Red Raider? I'd heard that. I, I can't remember if that was a, a discord revelation, with the parlay picadors, or if it was uh, something else, but I think it did go through the discord at some point. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd heard that, but only recently, only just recently had I learned that. Yeah, I had no idea until a couple months ago either. So, what about you, Rob? As a as a fill in guest host, what did you learn this week? I I learned that if you want to go to Paladero Canyon to call them instead of looking at their website and trusting that they have updated that uh, which which uh, trails are closed or not closed. Did you make the trip all the way out there? I might have driven the the hour and a half drive for the little guy at the front gate to say all trails are closed. Do you still want to enter the park? <laughs> yeah, guy, I, I want to enter the park. I drove all the way here. Might as well still. Here. I will say, even if all the trails are closed, Paladero Canyon is still cool to go to. You can drive through it. There's some places you can stop. Still, even without trails, to get out and get off the road a little bit. Still a good time. So as somebody that hasn't been out there yet, uh, what what time of year is but Is this like a fall adventure, early winter, spring? I know for sure it's not a summer thing because it's, it's too dang hot to do anything outside. Yeah. yeah, do not go in the summer. I think that's part of the reason why it was closed. Even though they said it would be open. In, anyways, I'm still upset a little bit that the website was so unfactual. Still salty. Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, my favorite trips to Paladero have been in the fall. Kind of that 85 degrees, crisp. It's a little cooler at night. You go out there and camp for a weekend. It's, it's, a, it's a good time. Of course, if you're going in the fall, you got to go on the bye week. 
which is October 15th um, for Texas Tech. Well, there you go. That's, that's, that's not you a bad You also go in the spring, but it's a little hit or miss because they also close the trails if it rains. Okay. So, yeah, plan well. But in, in terms of hitting up uh, a fall trip to Paladuro, October 15th, probably not a bad spot to hit. Absolutely. Um, speaking of other fall activities, have you seen the uh, Adeldew Farms had to make a, a zig, the zag, with the the weather conditions this year? They won't have corn at the maze. So they'll have sorghum. Oh, I saw the headline. I have not read that article yet. So, so they're doing a sorghum maze. They weren't able to, to grow corn, um, and they were. I guess they had to had to had to pull an audible there and went to sorghum. I believe from my experience seeing it out here, it's a much shorter plant. <laughs> like, and, and I'm not saying it's like, it's just, it's ground cover cause it, it's still useful and grain and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and for oil. Um, but it's not like, like you'll be able to, see over, you'll be able to see over the top of a sorghum plant, but I don't think that's going to help get you through the maze. Does that change your your desire to hit up like that yearly trip out to the maze if it's like it's not corn, or do you care that much? Uh, first of all, I don't have a yearly trip to the maze. <laughs> well, but uh, no, it would not affect my my uh, if it was sorghum to corn. Uh, it looks like sorghum grows five to fifteen feet, so you might still have a a ten foot sorghum plant out there. Maybe not as thick or luscious as the corn. But I will say, if you can see over the maze, there's not a huge reason to do the maze because you do, I mean, it does give you some benefit. Well, I mean, they give you like an aerial top-down map of it. Like if you wanted to, True. to, to track it through, True. you could. But I'm just saying like being able to see over the top of the plant, I don't think changes all that much because you're not going to have a great angle. Like I'm, I'm, I'm six, four and I may not be able to see over and see on, on the next row, but you can see which corner you're in of the maze and get a little grasp of where you are. Well, if you're far been away out, from the exit, you are, if you've been there like more than once, you can probably figure out where like true those, uh, those bridges are, or if it's still yeah. daylight, like, you know, where the road is. Um, anyways, so the first time I ever went out in the maze, there was an escaped convict and a helicopter um, drove over us looking for a convict in the maze. It's, uh, it's not, a, not a bad place to hang out. Although you, you could probably just as easily hide out in the rest of the open fields out there. Well, um, I don't think the convict made it to the maze. It was, but it was in the surrounding area. Yeah. It's, that's pretty far out there. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for us on the 23 Personnel Podcast. I want to thank Rob for joining us this week. Grateful for his uh, his time helping fill in for Michael. We'll be back next week to wrap up the offseason and then the following week gets you ready for Murray State. For Rob, I'm Spencer. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, 
and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.